And uh, welcome, welcome to Hope, where, where we literally just expect good things from a good God. My name's Nate. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope. And uh, man, it is an honor and a privilege to bring, be bringing this series to you. How many of you guys are enjoying the Lucha series? Yes, yes, yes. We are in week four of the Luchador series. Lucha is a funny word. It's actually Spanish for the word wrestle, okay, or wrestler, okay. The wrestle, or la lucha, los luchadores, las luchadoras, the luchadores, uh, the, the wrestle is found, and we've been looking at it in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. This is what the Bible talks about when it says wrestle. It says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. There is a wrestle, but it's not against people. People are never the problem. Man, I love people. People are never the problem. We don't wrestle against people. It's not your boss, and it's not your wife, and it's not your kid's problem. It's not people that are the problem. It's really powers, principalities, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places or heavenly places. So there is a wrestle, and that wrestle takes place in high places. And that's what the Lucha Dore series has been all about. Lucha, the wrestle that's taking place somewhere else. And today, we are calling this message, Turn It Up. Everybody say, turn it up. Turn it up. Tell your neighbor with a little volume in your voice, turn it up. Come on. In, this, in week one, we ended with this verse in Psalms 103. It says, bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength. The word excel means to do with your whole heart. And strength means competence and confidence. It means you're good at what you do. So wholehearted and competent, who excel in strength. These angels, these creatures are strong beings. They're not weak. It says, you do his word with strength. You excel with your whole heart. Everything you do, you do with your whole heart is unto the Lord. Come on, you excel in strength. Who do his word, heeding the voice of the word of God. Verse 21, bless the Lord, all his hosts. Talking about angels again. You ministers of his. Now, Hebrews calls an angel a ministering spirit. Ministers of his. In the Bible, ministering is not like a profession. Some people look at my life, what I do, and they're like, oh, you're a minister. I'm like, no, 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 not according to the Bible. Ministry is just an act of service. Minister is someone who does an act of service. Anybody listening in today has the capacity and the capability to be a minister. And I mean, I hope that you are serving somebody, adding value somewhere in your life to someone in the name of the Lord. Any ministers in the house? Come on, we are all New Testament reality ministers of the gospel, of the good news. It's just simply an act of service. Then it says, bless you his host. So ministers and host, ministering spirits or ministers of his who do his pleasure. Man, I want to surround myself with people who do his pleasure. I like what David said. He said, a zeal for your house has consumed me. Zeal for your house, his house, his purpose, his pleasures. Man, I want to surround my life with people who are about my father's business, who love to please him, love to build what he's building, love what he loves, get after what he goes after. I love people who do his pleasure. So you ministering spirits, you ministering people who do his pleasure. I'm coming back to this verse, but we're talking about angels who do his pleasure. Just remember, there is a wrestle. And the wrestle isn't against flesh and blood. It's not here in the earth tangibly seen all the time. But sometimes there's intersections. But most of the time, it's an invisible wrestle. It's a wrestle in another realm. In the heavenlies, there are angels and spiritual wickedness wrestling against one another. The Bible makes it clear that the angels only heed, listen now, they only hear not the sound of God's voice, the sound of the word of God. I want to make sure you catch this. They only heed the sound of the word of God. 
If they only heeded God's voice, then you and I would have nothing to release on our behalf that affects our destiny in the heavenlies. But you have angels as ministering agents that will aid you in life if you know how to release them. There is another dynamic that you play a part in when you release them according to his word. Your challenge is, the Bible says, they only heed the sound of the word of God. And that's not a big deal because if you know the word of God, that's great. But it has to come out of your mouth. Everybody say, coming out of your mouth. They heed the sound of the word of God coming out of a vessel, coming out of a mouth. They do not heed your whines. They do not heed your complaints. They do not move on your groanings and your moanings and your groanings. They do not move on your negativity. They actually move, if I push a little bit more, they actually move on the sound of his word. They do not move. They are not released in your fear. So if you're trying to release an angel on your behalf, it's not released in fear. It's not released in this this, uh, kind of sort of maybe something will happen. It's in a faith-filled environment where you actually believe with a strong conviction that what you're confessing and what you're releasing actually moves something in the heavenlies and it affects your real life on earth. And I love this series because we're talking about different atmospheres and different worlds and different dynamics of the spiritual world, but we're not talking about heaven to be of no earthly good. We're talking about heaven to have real earthly good, real earthly impact in the heavenlies where God actually answers prayers, where God actually intervenes on people's behalf, where people actually release angels in an invisible realm and real things happen to real problems in real people's world. This is not a series on like spiritual gyrations and exercises and yeah, if I pray the right way and I really get in my prayer life. No, no, no. This is like affect heaven on earth. Jesus said every day I want you to pray. My kingdom come. My will be done. That's what he said. I want you to pray about my kingdom being done, my will being done here on earth just as it is in heaven. He said, every day you wake up, pray this. Father, your will be done. Your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Because he's saying it's closer than you think. It's available to you. All you got to do is turn it up. Everybody say, turn it up. All you got to do is release And you do not release these angelic forces in fear. They are released on your behalf when they hear the sound of the word of God come out of your mouth, out of your heart, out of your heart, your mouth speaks with a conviction behind your confession. How many ever heard somebody say the right thing, but there was no conviction behind it? There's no unction behind that junction, right? It's like nothing moved inside of them. They just said, yes, Jesus loves me. And they, they live like hell and like nobody loves them. You know what I'm saying? Or yeah, 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 you're right, honey, but you know that you don't think that they're right. Okay, maybe you're like, yes, 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 okay, that's what the Bible says, but I know I don't live like that. That's not real for me. You know what I'm saying? They say the right thing, but they, they don't say the real thing. There's, there's a confession that sounds great, but a conviction that is like, yeah, this isn't going to work. And it doesn't work. You can't have a confession that doesn't match your inner conviction, or else you're just wasting your breath. So there's something about having a confidence in the Word of God, believing that what He says is more real than what you see. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. We confess by faith and not by sight. We move on things that are unseen, and we believe that they move the seen things. That's what God said. He said, I made everything seen out of the unseen. And these words are released from your mouth with a conviction and a confession to match that comes out of your inner man. In Revelations, it says the angels pick up those prayers and they collect them. They pick up those prayers and they put them in bowls. 
And they bring them before the throne room of God. They collect them in bowls like incense. And these prayers, they put off a, a, a smell in God's sniffer. They put off a smell, and it either smells like faith or like fear. It puts off a smell of confidence or like, mm, I'm not really sure if this, is, this crap works, right? Crappy or confident, right? I'm talking about real, real things that translate. Somehow angels, this Bible says this in Revelation, they take your prayers, they transfer them into a smell of fragrance, and when God smells the fragrance of his people's prayers, he answers their prayers, and he moves quickly, the Bible says. He moves quickly back towards earth. They collect them like bowls of incense. They present them before God. So the distance between you and God is your angel taking a prayer that smells right, that smells good, that smells confident. And if you speak negative words, there are also negative angels that pick those things up. They call, they're called demons. All right? They pick up on curses. They pick up on lifeless words spoken over you. We have a father look at his three-year-old boy and say, you're going to end up being just like the rest of us, you spoiled brat. You're born into this, and I can take you out of this. You're just whatever you are. You're just no good for nothing. And that, something's going to pick that up in the spiritual realm that's more than just natural effects on that little boy. The little boy's going to pick it up. He's going to internalize it, and he's going to feel about this big. But something else is going to pick it up and run with that word over his destiny. Demons pick up on that, and they do that word. That's why you can't be led by a temper, mom and dad, a frustration, or an emotion. You've got to learn how to shut your mouth, check your emotions, get control over that emotion. And you cannot just be confessing anything with a conviction that's raw and nasty. You've got to speak words of life only over your kids. But it's so easy just to curse and condemn and not even realize because that's what was done to you. And you do what was done to you. And all of a sudden, there's other forces working against you that pick up those negative words and run in the wrong direction against your destiny. Are you catching this? So you cannot look at your spouse and say, you're just as sorry as the last one. All women are the same. You know what I'm saying? You can be like, yeah, yeah, I don't need this. Because demons are running and picking up those words. And they're doing that word. They're acting on that word. And you're going to get what you go for. So as, just as angels hear the sound of the word of God and go and move and are released on that word, demons pick up and run with anything that you speak that contradicts the word of God. So they're looking for the word of God, and fallen angels are looking for anything that contradicts the word of God. And that's where strongholds, we talked about it last week, are really birthed. They're birthed out of anything that contradicts what God says. And to tear down every stronghold, vain imagination, anything that exalts itself above the truth of God is how you tear down these long-lasting strongholds that you believed your whole life from your parents or from another word or from this person or from that abusive person. And you just have all these strongholds. They're really just thoughts that you allowed to run in the wrong direction. And you got to replace those lies with... The truth. And where do you get the truth? The truth says, I will set you free. He says, I am the truth. And the truth will set you free. Freedom is available in Jesus. You shall know the truth. You shall know Jesus and Jesus will set you free. The truth is what frees you from lies. Frees you from strongholds. Frees you from bondage. Frees you from things that hold you back from what you were born for. That freedom and that life to the fullest that Jesus has for you. You're catching this. And so, really... Angels move on that word. Demons run with that word. Anything that contradicts. When you sit here and say things like, our debt is insurmountable. Our debt cannot be fixed. This is going to carry and track us the rest of our life. Your angel is literally standing there, and it is not able to move. 
It can do nothing with those confessions. It can do nothing in your financial world. It cannot move any open door. It cannot release any opportunity. It cannot make any divine connection. It cannot go before you and make a way. It cannot protect you and cause your foot not to be dashed against the next check or the next purchase or the next bill. But, but he, he, he actually, when you say things like, we're insurmountably in debt, the demons watch over that word and they run with it. Why? Why can't the angel move and the demons can move? Because he has not been authorized to fight yet. you got to authorize him. But when you look at your bills and you say, my God shall supply all my needs according to his power and his glory and his riches. My God wants me to be the head and not the tail, above only and never believe. Then that angel draws his sword and he says, I can run with that word. That word aligns with the word of God, the truth of God. You will be blessed to be a blessing. You'll be blessed going in and blessed going out. You'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. I can pick up that word from God. I can run with that word. And everything you shall do shall prosper in Jesus' name. Joshua, thank you. I've been waiting for you to put me into action. I've been waiting for you to put me in coach. Put me to work on the word of God. Choose another language. Choose another word. Choose a confession that's different with a conviction behind it. it. Turn it up a little bit. See, angels are in rank and file. They are under the authority of God's word. And unless God's word speaks, they cannot move. Satan is simply a fallen angel who picks up on every lie that is spoken against anything. He is the father of lies. His name is Lucifer. He was one of the musical or worshiping angels in heaven. Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14, let us know that as an angel, he actually breathed music. It was built into his being. So when he breathed in, music came out. When he breathed out, music came out, in and out. Evidently, he was pretty good at music. He was possibly one of the worship leaders in heaven that caused other angels to use their worship holy, holy, holy towards God. That is, until he himself got in the middle and he said, wait a minute, I want to be worshipped too, and started making it about himself. And then he rallied all the other self-serving angels and split one-third of heaven away from God and away from heaven. But two-thirds is bigger than one-third. I want to tell you, the forces fighting for you are more than those who are against you. And two-thirds of heaven remained and one-third fled. And now that one-third, they live in the firmament which is a big word. It's an expanse between heaven and earth that God did not bless. The firmament is in the middle. So you got the earth's atmosphere. They refer to the heavens or a higher place. So the earth's atmosphere, the heavens. And then you have uh, the firmament, which is in the middle, invisible realm. And then you have heaven, heaven. And that's what John calls the third heaven. So one, the earth's atmosphere. Two, the firmament. Third heaven. I was taken up to the third heaven, John says in Revelation. What he's talking about, heaven, heaven. Okay? And in those three, three things, the, 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 the angels did not go to hell. It makes for good preaching. I curse all the demons and the devil in hell. They're not in hell. They're in the firmament. They're in the middle. God created it for them. And he said, it's just so. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just so. It's in the middle. And he moved on. If you look at creation in Genesis 1, God created the firmament and said it was just so. Everything else he looked at, he said, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's not good for man to be alone. Woo! All the guys said yes. And then he said, the firmament is just so. It's just so. And now Lucifer, or Satan, is known as the prince of the power of the air. Ephesians 2 says, he's the prince of the power of the air who works in the sons of disobedience or faithlessness. And that's called the firmament. But in Isaiah 6, we get insight. And this is what we're going to talk about today. That's just review. Today we're going to talk about these verses in Isaiah 6. We get insight into the other two-thirds who stayed with God and their reality in heaven that moves according to the conviction and the confession of the word of God. Are you ready for it? 
it says this in Isaiah 6. Uh, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. King Uzziah was a good, good, good king. He's like excited about this and everything else is dying, but I'm seeing God bring things to life. That's what he's saying. When King Uzziah died, it looks like everything was dying, but I see God bringing things to life. I love people who have, have the certainty of everything crumbling around them, but they see Jesus building something better in the middle of their brokenness. They build something more beautiful in the middle of brokenness. I love people who see what God is doing. He said, things are dying, but I saw the Lord. And he wasn't moved. He was sitting on a throne. He was enthroned in praises. He was sitting on a throne. In other words, everything's dying had not removed God from his throne. Nothing happening in your circumstantial USA reality does not move God off his throne. And you should get excited about that. You should be excited about that. He was on his throne and he was high and lifted up. He wasn't just surviving. He was a cut above. He was way high above. He was elevated. But the Bible says when you make God big, all your problems get real small. Praise him big, problems get real small. He's high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. I love this. A robe for a king was long because it had attached the garments of other kings that they had defeated. So if you would defeat a king, they would take a piece of that king's garment and all of his kingdom and sew it onto the conquering king's robe. So if you had a king with a long robe, that means he had lots of conquests and a lot of victories. And we're talking about the Lord of hosts, the King of kings, and he comes in the room and his, his train of his robe. That means the extension of his robe filled the temple. When Isaiah saw the Lord, he, his robe couldn't fit in the building. He's so victorious. He's so high above. He's so much better than any enemy or foe or defeated thing. And he has so many victories in so many ways that he wins. All he does is win, 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 no matter what. It's like, oh my gosh, his train can't fit in the building. God has so many victories, he can't even get his clothes in the door. Isn't that fun? His train filled the temple, and above it stood seraphim. Seraphim's a fancy word for angels, a certain type of angel. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. Wow, that's an awesome creature, isn't it? So six wings, two over his eyes, two over his feet, and two hoverbirds, right? I just see angels hovering. like They're flying. And they cried out to one another saying, holy, holy. They're hovering. They're covering. Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Notice it's not just the heavens. Notice what heaven is obsessed with. Notice what heaven is interested in. Notice it didn't say all of heaven is filled with his glory. God is awesome in heaven. No, 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 no. It said the earth is filled with his glory. That's where I live. Hey, I know that guy. I know that place. I live on the earth. I love the earth. That's where he's like, man, heaven's obsessing over. The earth is filled with his glory. I don't think God's moving in our generation. Well, the earth is full of his glory. They see so clearly what we, we, we oftentimes are waiting for goosebumps to see. They're like, my God, the earth is full. I mean, filled with his glory. Verse 4, I love, I love heaven. I love heaven's perspective because it's not just centric on, on heaven and how wonderful heaven is. And I can't wait to die and go to heaven. The angels are like, man, you're so lucky to be on earth. The whole earth is full of his glory. Well, I can't wait to go to glory someday. Well, you're in glory right now, baby. Go on, go to glory where the world is better. No more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain. Yada, yada, yada. You sound like a whiny baby and the angels envy you. And they say, man, I wish I was on earth. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
When you're praying for God to take you out of earth and God's praying for you to wake up to heaven on earth. Come on, I love this church. I got so excited there for a second. Anybody ready to run on earth? Anybody say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. I'm not waiting to die for this to matter in my life. My relationship with Jesus is not built on eternity. It's built with real life right here on earth. I follow him because he gives me life on earth, glory on earth, purpose on earth. A reason to suck air, suck air on the planet's earth. Man, they envy us. You got one shot at earth. You got all of eternity in heaven. Get over heaven. Let's go for earth. Let's win earth. The whole earth is full of his glory. Any purpose-driven people in the room? I'm not going to apologize. It's my passion of my life. It's the passion of our hearts. It's the passion of our reality. We are on earth for a purpose. I love this. And the post of the door, verse 4, was shaken. Not by the dancing. It wasn't the, the elephant feet or the, the, the rhino feet or, you know, the big rumbles of the ground. What is it shaken from? The, the doorposts are shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. I said, the house is filled with smoke. Well, I don't like the fog machines in church. Okay. The whole house of the Lord was filled with fog. You're closer to heaven. You know, I'm telling you what. Smoke is in God's house. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. So he gets in this atmosphere. Isaiah gets into this realm with God and this reality in the heavens. And he's looking at angels. He's not even looking at God. He's looking at angels. And he's like, I am not supposed to be here. This is too good for me. Anybody ever feel like that? Anybody feel like, man, I, I don't know. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. And there's one or two things you can do with that. He says, I dwell among a whole bunch of people. I, I'm not worthy and nobody else around me is worthy. I've got a man of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew over to me with his two wings and his over wings and having a hand, and having in his hand a coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. The burning altar, the zeal of the altar. And he touched my mouth with it. And he said, choose a different confession. You feel like you're unworthy. You feel like you're unholy. You feel like you're not enough. He put it over my mouth and he said, behold, this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away. As Jesus is, so are you in this world. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And your sin has been purged. So get over your problems and get over your insufficiencies and get over your inadequacies and just go for greater. Something has touched your confession to change your confession and say, I don't belong here, but I am so glad I'm here. I didn't earn this. I can't deserve this, but I am so glad that the grace of God is working in my life. I stand here by grace, through faith, not of works, lest anybody could boast, but only because of what Jesus has done in my inner reality. He has washed me clean. He has set me free. He has done what he said he would do. And it affects my lips. Anybody's lips getting touched with something bigger that burns brighter than your insufficiencies, your insecurities. And all of a sudden, I feel out of place. I feel right at home in God's presence. I feel like, man, I, I was born for this. And Isaiah shifts his paradigm. Okay, Revelations 5.11. You ready to get through the verses today? You guys ready? Revelations 5.11. This is John in the book of Revelation. He's isolated on an island like the show, naked and afraid. This is his reality. And that's because the Romans were punishing him because he's talking too much about Jesus. He's, he's a Christian. 
They put him on an island all by himself where he could influence and impact no one, and they just left him alone. And God takes him to the third heaven. Not the earth's atmosphere, not the firmament. So I was taken to the third heaven, heaven, heaven. And he gives him a revelation. We call it the book of Revelation, but really for him it was a vision. And John is just writing down what he saw. And it's ridiculously close to what Isaiah is talking about. And he said, I looked and I heard the voice of many angels. So I saw and I heard. Somebody say, turn it up. I saw and I heard. Turn it up. I saw the voice of many angels around the throne. The living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. He goes on, and thousands and thousands. In other words, he's trying to say, I don't have a number. There were so many thousands of them. I saw heaven. I was full of angelic creatures with, with six wings. There they are again. The seraphim, just imagine the sound of their wings. I'm not talking a few wings. I'm talking 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands with wings just fluttering around. Imagine the sounds of their voices. The Bible says one angel's voice sounds like a multitude. So imagine the sound of thousands and thousands of voices. And what they're saying and seeing is so holy. They take two of those six wings, they cover their eyes, and they can't touch the ground he's standing on because it's too holy to stand on. It's holy ground. So they gotta cover their eyes and they gotta hover over the ground. So they're doing this cover and hover. And not only that, they're so amazed by the sight of God that they can only say one word in his presence. It's the only word that comes out of their inner man. Holy! And that is not a religious word. It's a revelatory word. It's a word that means a set apart, a cut above like nothing else I've ever seen in the heavens or the earth. Better than anything you could ever think, dream, or imagine. That is who your God is. That's who they're trying to say. Holy, that's what they're saying. It's better than you could believe. I mean, it's better than, it's, it's an unbelievably better. Verse 12, saying in a, help me out, saying in a, saying with a loud voice. Loud voice. Turn it up. Somebody turn it up. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches ooh, and wisdom. I want to tell you, your God is a rich God. Tell your neighbor, God is a rich God. Get out of here with this poor Jesus junk. Worthy is the lamb, they said. Worthy is Jesus. Who is the lamb? Jesus. To receive power and riches, wisdom and strength, honor and glory and blessing. Verse 13. And then every creature which is in heaven on the earth. Now, here are angels crying out in a loud voice, right? Then they see everybody else comes and hears them and says, sing it again. Every creature, sing it again. I hear saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and unto the lamb. Jesus at his right hand. All the power, blessing, honor go to God and his son Jesus, the lamb who was slain. From before the foundations of the earth. Now, now, when we talk about this heavenly scene Isaiah had and this heavenly scene that John had, Isaiah didn't see God. He just saw an angel. And he said, I'm not holy enough to be in your presence. So this is an amazing sight taking place. And these angels are crying, holy, holy, holy. 24 hours a day, not even on days, not even on time, not even in our reality, but in eternity. Nonstop throughout eternity. And the word holy, again, it's a revelatory word, which means it's an active word. 
It's not the same holy they gave last time. They said holy. It's a brand new holy for a brand new revelation of who God just was. And who God just was. And who God just was. And who God is now. And who God is now. It's a revelatory word. It's not an ancient word. It's real, fresh, and powerful, which is the opposite of when they say it in church and it's religious. Holy. I hate that. Holy, hallelujah. It's old. It's older than I've ever been alive. Old. And it's, it's got no power and it's got no meaning. It's got no revelation to it. When they say holy, it's as fresh as the freshest thing you've ever had. It's real as the realest thing you've ever had. It's powerful like nothing else you've seen. So when we say holy at Hope Church, it's not old language. It's relevant language. I just saw something in God, not 1975, but in 2021, God was a cut above in my life. He just did something new in my life. He just did something new in my heart. He just changed me from my inner man, inner man out. And the word holy actually is revelatory. Some people think, well, uh, you use holiness. It's like living by a certain code, code of conduct. Got to be holy as a holy man of God. Or somebody who has it all together. Wow, he's so holy. The way you hold me is so holy, holy. Okay, we're just thinking about all the ways Justin uses it and everybody uses it. Holy really means separate and better than anything I've ever seen. They're looking at God singing, there's nobody like you. Nobody even comes close. You are better than anything else. You do not fit in any other category. You are in a class all by yourself. And the reason they can do that is shout one to another, holy, 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 holy. Is because every time they see something in God they've never seen before, they shout holy again. And as soon as they get to the Lee out of holy, some other facet of God they've never seen before is revealed and exposed. And they shout holy again. Because your God is so multifaceted. If God doesn't work for you, you are one of the most amazing creatures that has ever walked the planet. Because our God is so multifaceted that he hits people everywhere where they're at. And he never stops being more than enough, all sufficient, exactly what you need. And customized to the creation. Your God is multifaceted. He has manifold grace, which is many colored grace. Lots of different grace for lots of different paces, lots of different seasons, lots of different reasons. He's manifold in his mercy, and his mercy is new every morning. Unending. He's unending in his attributes and his characteristics. He cannot be boxed. He cannot be labeled. You can't say this is God and this is God because as soon as you get what God is, he's something bigger and better than you saw before. He's uncontainable. And they're shouting enthusiastically about it because they're like, turn it up. There's enthusiasm because it's real and it's fresh and it's powerful because God is not boring. Boring is what only when you can exhaust somebody's attributes. Oh, I figured you out. That gets boring. Oh, we've been married for 35 plus years. It gets boring. Boring is when you can exhaust somebody's attributes. You do this every time. You say this every time. It gets boring. It gets stale. But God ain't boring. He's bigger than boring. He gets bigger and bigger and better and better. And if you thought you knew him, you'll know him better when you see him again. Because nobody knows all of God. And God is infinite in his power, infinite in his wisdom, infinite in his revelation. you got angels who've been crying holy for all of time. And all of time passed. And then they see another facet of God. And they say holy. They see something else. They say holy. See something else. They say holy. And they haven't stopped saying holy. And they're saying holy right now. I want you to understand something. By saying holy over and over and over again, 
The angels are trying to give us a vision here on earth as it is in heaven of how big your God really is. Again, this is not a sermon series. This is not a message series just to talk about the realities of heaven that doesn't affect your daily life. But you walk into a new problem on Monday and you walk into a new scenario in relationship and you walk into another heartbreak and another disappointment and God is saying I'm holy I'm above they want you to say God is enough God is still enough God is enough for that God is enough for that he can help you there he is more than enough he's amazingly bigger than your problem your God is not a small weight God who gets overwhelmed and distressed trying to figure out your latest set of circumstances and adversities the Bible says that God sits on the circumference of the earth, and the earth, the earth is his footstool. You're a spinning ottoman for God. How often do you worry about your ottoman? I have a big old ottoman. I never worry about it. I never even think about my ottoman. It's set. He says he sits in the heavens and he laughs. It's hard to laugh when you're stressed out. It's hard to laugh when you're worried. It's hard to laugh when you're anxious. God is not anxious. He's not mad. He's not angry. He's smiling and he's laughing. The Bible says he collects the dust of the earth. That's a lot of dust. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That's everybody. That's everything. Everything's in dust to dust. And it fits in the palm of his hand. The Bible says the oceans stretch from one finger all the way to his other finger. So take all the oceans in the earth and God can stretch his hand around it and just touch his pinky to his thumb. He's like, this is not too big for me. Do you understand what I'm talking about? We're getting a picture of what's going on in heaven so we can have a different reality on earth, a different confidence, a different boldness, a different expectation, a different anticipation. The Bible says that God is great in knowing details of lives. He knows every person on the planet, all seven plus billion of us. He knows them, but also he knows every hair on every head has been numbered by God. It didn't say God knows how many hairs you have have on your head because for some of us that, that wouldn't be that impressive we don't have many hairs be easy to count but God says that every hair has a number every hair has a number on your head so when number 12,255 falls out God knows about it because he's numbered that hair because it's numbered on your head that's incredible the Bible says he keeps track of sparrows dying I had a confession in the first experience I didn't plan on sharing with you guys but I just had to say it, I shot a sparrow, the first thing I ever killed. First living being, I was aiming at a crow, like really far away up in this tree. I was trying to shoot something with my BB gun. I was gonna shoot something. Anybody ever shoot something? People showed me their deer today that they shot. I'm like, man, I don't really shoot anything, but my BB gun. And I launched that BB up towards that crow and this little sparrow fell and all these birds fell away. And, it was like, and one little bird, ding, 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 ding. And I felt so bad. I felt just like you just felt. I was like, man, I shot a sparrow, and who cares? God cares. God knows about the sparrows dying. I'm an animal killer. It wasn't for meat, and it wasn't for fur. It was just to kill a bird. I didn't even aim for that bird. I aimed for a crow. Everybody understands wanting to kill a crow, right? Ah, I hate crows. Crows. There's whole, this whole world that God has intricately 
designed. He says, I know when birds fall out of the air that are insignificant and so numerous. There's this world underneath everything that we do. We can't even see without a microscope. And people say they don't believe what they can't see. And it's invisible to the natural eye, but it's full of electrons and protons and neutrons. And God intricately organized it all to operate in life where it could be productive for you and for me. Not to mention the wonders of his love and the wonders of his mercy new every day. And his faithfulness from generation to generation. And his kindness that never fails us. And his kindness that never ends. I mean, we could go on and on about how great your God is. When God gets big, everything gets so small. But does anybody understand how an angel can hover in place, cover its face, and cry out holy for all of eternity now? And they're trying to send a message to us. He's worth it. He's worthy. He's holy. He's a cut above. Because when you get one look at God for who he really is, it's not hard to praise him. It's not hard to follow Jesus when you see who he really is. It's not hard to give your adoration to God when you taste and see of his goodness. Just a sliver of who he is. And for those of you who find it difficult to praise the Lord for 13 and a half minutes for three songs, you've probably never really seen your God before. Because if you did, your worship would be easy. And your enter, you, would, you would engage easily. Praise would be easy. Enthusiasm would be a natural response. It's like, oh my God, jumping up and down is not a big deal. When you see who your God is, shouting with a loud voice comes naturally in his presence. Be so easy to let it out. He's in a class all by, and he's so easy to worship. God is so easy to follow. It's hard to be a Christian. It's really hard. That is, if you don't see God and you worship something you don't know, it is hard. But if you see God and you know him, he's so easy to love. I want to tell you, it's so easy to love, love himself. He doesn't just have love. He is love. You're like, you love me? I love you too. It's like a natural response. You love me that much? You know me? You know all my insufficiencies, all my inadequacies, and you still accept me. You still want me. You still love me. Of course I love you. You complete me. My Jerry Maguire hands get going. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so easy to love you. You're so good at being God. You're so good at being consistent. You're so faithful. It's easy to love faithful people. It's easy to love faithful gods. He's so good. Now, I can't tell you how many people come into this atmosphere and these experiences at Hope, and for the first time, they said something to the effect of, y'all are so loud. Why are you guys so loud? Why is everything at Hope Church so loud? Whether it's the preaching, I mean, that preacher, he's always on like 11. He's always talking so loud. The passion here is just off the charts. So loud. Or the singing. I mean, you got all these beautiful people up here dancing, jumping, singing. You got people down here singing. People move out of their seats to go singing. It's so, so loud. Why is it so loud? The music level is loud. It's like I can't even hear myself think sometimes when the worship's going on. That's a good thing. I can't even hear my own voice. I can't sing. We want to make an atmosphere where everybody, if you can't sing worth a lick, nobody can hear you next to you anyways. Let's sing it out real loud because the music's so loud. Why is everything so loud? Or even the greeting, these people in the foyer and in the parking lot and all across every doorway and threshold, they're so loud with their love towards me. It's kind of uncomfortable. They like me. It's like, I, I don't even know you yet, and you love me? This is weird. You're loud with your love. You're loud with your action. You're loud with your service. You're loud. After we leave this place, you come and follow up and give us donuts. That's so loud. It's just loud. Your expressions are loud. Your talk, you preach loud. 
Because, Pastor, I, I believe God likes reverent worship. I'm happy you have an opinion. I'm happy you believe that. But what you call reverence, I call death to your soul. Disengaged lethargy. Calm, comatose culture that never responds to who God really is. Because he is so much better than your response. Well, I like relevant worship. This is so loud. I like reverent worship, I mean. I like reverent worship. I like peaceful worship. I like to worship God in the sanctity of my own muswaba. It needs to be quiet. i got to get my emotions right. I don't want a lot of distractions. I don't want a lot of people around me. I don't want anybody to do this. I want it to be. For those of you who don't like loud and enthusiastic and passionate and worship and expressions, I'm trying to prepare you for heaven. I'm trying to get you ready right here on earth for as it is in heaven. So the shock of the culture, the culture shock isn't so drastic that you have to dismiss yourself from the throne room when you get there. Like, where are my earplugs? Well, pastor, I don't like big crowds. If churches get too big, it's just too much. Can you imagine thousands times ten thousands and thousands? God likes big crowds. Does it really matter what you like if God likes it? Can you imagine the sound of their wings? You know, I just don't like things flying over my head. Does anybody care about your preferences in the, in the presence of God? Yeah, I just don't like, you know, I just feel uncomfortable when I get closed in spaces and there's people shoulder to shoulder and we're all saying the same thing and there's angels like flying over my head and weird stuff happening in atmospheres. I just don't like the sound of their wings. It's like, <laughs> just the sound of their wings. Imagine the movement in the air. If you don't like your wind blowing, somebody put their hand up next to me. I felt the wind and I smelled the smell. I was like, whoo, I don't know if I like this church. Somebody was dancing next to me, and I, they brushed, brushed my side. And I was like, what the? Get out of here. I'm trying to reverent worship for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? We're not even mentioning the billions of people who have made it to heaven already who are praising at the top of their lungs. I mean, they've gotten over themselves so long ago. They get, they're just ready to let it rip. Because while, while we're thinking about ourselves, we're not thinking about heaven and earth. And what, what, what this whole picture is to say, you can have this. You can turn it up here. You can affect the atmosphere of earth. The whole earth is full of his glory. You just got to respond. You got to believe. You got to receive it. It's all around you. It's tangible. But you got to get into enthusiastic and engaged praise and worship. Enthusiastic, engaged confessions with real conviction behind them on Monday morning. Worship on Tuesday afternoon. Come on. The Bible says with a loud voice. Maybe you don't believe any of that stuff. That's fine. The Bible says clearly with a loud voice they sing. They're crying holy, holy, holy. And the sound of heaven is so intense because the Bible says the sound of shouts of the angels shake the thresholds and the pillars of heaven. And these are not just natural buildings, not just natural pillars. We're talking about shaking the pillars of heaven and eternity with the sound of their voice. And we sing songs here at Hope Church like, turn it up till the walls are shaking. I'm ready now. Right? Come alive in the name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For all of you who say, I like it quiet, the fact is, God likes it loud. For all of you who say, I like it small, God likes it packed. He wants a packed house. Packed with loud people, giving them loud praises. Everything they got, every time they show up with praise and worth and adoration saying, you're worth it. You're holy. God likes it when people praise him. I mean, you get more excited about grown men running around grass fields with tight pants on this afternoon. 
more engaged and enthusiastic on a screen, then nobody even knows you're there. You shout at the top of your lungs, let's go! Come on! And God likes it when people go all out and excel in strength. What does God surround himself with? People who go all out. Angels who go all out and are strong. Strong people are not intimidated by being surrounded by stronger people. He says, I'm going to surround myself with an angelic host that is strong and able and confident and competent who are good at what they do. And I will not be intimidated by their strength because I'm strong too. But together, strong culture builds strong culture. Strong people build strong people. If you're the biggest person in your circle, get a new circle. If you're the smartest person in your circle, get a bigger circle. If you're the wisest person in your circle, get outside your circle. If you're the most wealthy person in your circle, get a bigger circle. Surround yourself with people who excel in strength. Well, I stay with people who don't intimidate me. Well, you're not doing what heaven does here on earth. God surrounds himself with excellent, excelling strength. I want to be a part of a culture here on heaven as it is in earth where strong people gather together and weakness leaves the room. Where strength overpowers. You either get strong or you get out. Because God is in the business of transforming culture here on earth as it is in heaven. I would like to say there's no room for that kind of weak lethargy in heaven. You'll stick out like a sore thumb. And he's listening for your voice. He's listening for your sound. He's listening for your, and it's not, you can't ride the coattails of all the angels. He's looking for your word. God likes it when people go all out and excel in strength. And God likes it when people open their mouths and let their unique sound of worship come out of their vessel, from their heart, through their mouth, and into the atmosphere. And he says, I'm not just interested in certain types of people. He said, in my kingdom, there's every tribe, every tongue, and every nation in unity, losing their individuality to be a part of something so much bigger than their own personal preferences. And they say, holy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb from this tribe and this tongue and this nation and this people group and this people group. So to all the people here at Hope that are different from me, come on, you make us stronger. Welcome to church. You make us strong. Welcome home to hope. You make us stronger. To all the people who have a different preference set than me, welcome to hope. To all the people who can do it uniquely, only the way you were designed to do it, you don't have to be like everybody else. But you got to do something, man. You can't just sit there. You can't just, you got to do something. Because God's looking for your unique praise. I want to ask you, is your personality bigger than God's praises? Well, I'm just a reserved person. So am I. And I'd be sitting down too when everybody else is standing up, naturally. I wouldn't be shouting. I wouldn't be even talking on a microphone. This is weird. Not me. Are you willing to lose your personality? To be a part of something bigger than yourself? Heaven is surrounded with people who lose their individuality to unify around one word. He is amazing. He is holy. He is incredible. Right here on earth, we can create that atmosphere. Come on, people of hope. I want the angels to hear us getting together and gathering every single Sunday. Oh, the people of hope must be having church again. It's 11 o'clock. They must be praising again. Hope must be lifting up their voices again. Don't touch the gates. They're about to shake this place. They're about to tremble this place. When people up, lift up their voice and praise, things shift in the atmosphere. Things move in the heavenlies. 
The firmament is getting broken through and strongholds are being broken off and answers to prayers are coming and healing is coming and freedom is coming and wholeness is coming. Prosperity is coming. Provision is coming. Something breaks free when those people praise me. I smell something. It's an expectation in your bowl. It's an expectation in your prayer. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a speaking of a confession with a strong conviction that God will move when I move. Things start moving. Walls start shaking. Pillars start rumbling. And I'm not preaching to anybody who wants to be a part of that kind of church culture every single week as we gather and all throughout the week as we worship God together. The truth is, in heaven, God likes it loud. The place shakes with enthusiasm and passion. All of my passion poured out doesn't come close to what he's worthy of. My very best comes up real short. I can't preach this good enough. I always make God look less than he is every time I grab this microphone. I always make his word less than what it really is every time. I cannot come close. And you think I'm over the top. This isn't even close to who God is. God likes it when we give him our attention and our affection and our, our, our hearts in wholehearted expectation. And the gates tremble in heaven because of the volume of, of life expressing value back to God. I, I'm saying my life is expressing all the value I got. It comes up short, but this is everything I got. He's worth my wholehearted praise. Is he worth yours? He's worth a wholehearted preach. Are you kidding me? What are we doing? Wasting our time? He's worth a wholehearted greet and encouragement and connection. He's worth my voice when it's time to praise him. He's worth my holla back. He says, amen. Come on now. I believe that. I respond to that. He's worth my sound, not just my agreement. We're not here to mentally ascend into clap and agreement. We are here to say, yes, you're worth it on Monday. Yes, you're worth it. You're, more, you're worth more than just applause, Jesus. You're worth my action. You're worth my ad, 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 um, ad, not adversity. You're worth my adoration. You're worth my callback. I want the enemy to be reminded that I am redeemed. And my Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord sit in silence. My, my Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord lay around in lethargy. Sit on the sidelines. No, no, no. Somebody got to get, has to get passionate about it and say, I, the redeemed, I will say so. I got to testify. I got to show people. I got to tell somebody. I don't care what my personality says. My passion overrides my personality. Let them say so. Come on. Anybody redeemed by Jesus in here? And that's why I shout unto God with a voice of triumph. That's why I jump up and down and lift my hands and say, worthy is the lamb. And my pathetic passion doesn't come close to the praise he's worthy. Thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you for the blood that was shed for me. Worthy is the king of kings. Man, that's so lame compared to what he's worth. You can't do that? What can you do? What do you have? Give God something that matters to you. I want the enemy to get mad at us, right? Because I've taken his place as the worship leader here on earth as it is in heaven, and he isn't getting his job back. God fired him, and he hired me, and I will lift my voice, and I will praise him. I don't care what you sound like. I don't care how much people love what you sing like. I sing terribly. I sing loud. I sing all of my heart as unto the Lord. I tried out for the worship team, and I didn't make the cut. I'm serious. These people sing way better than me, but you will not see me hold back. You will not see me stop. We got to worship God. When it's time to praise God, you're going to hear my squawking and my gawking. You're going to hear my shouting and my spouting. It's time to praise Him. 
And you will see me pull off the microphone because I cannot sing as good as these people. But I'm going to praise him. I'm going to lift him up. And if I don't praise him, guess what? The Bible says the rocks will praise him. Are you more than a rock? You have more self-esteem than a rock? You got rocks in your head? No. You know what I'm saying? Like rocks. Rocks are praising him. He said, something will praise me. If you don't pray, something or somebody will praise me with a loud voice, with a loud cry, with a shout, with a call back. And if you don't, it will happen one way or another. But I'm not about to let a rock outdo my praise. You know why? Because he's worthy. Come on, if somebody shout with a voice of triumph, get mad at those rocks. Don't even compete with me. You're not taking my place. You're not taking my spot. I'm going to shake the pillars of this house. We give all praise, all honor, all glory, and dominion, and power to the Lord of heavens and earth. Well, I don't like this hype. I don't like this. It's not about us. It's about the one we're praising. I want you to catch this. Ephesians 5.18. It says, do not be drunk with wine in which there is dissipation. When the acts, the people were in an upper room. They are just in a, a room on top of a building. It's not like spiritual. It's just like a room that was above another room. And they were asking God to fill them with the Holy Spirit. And people came by, and God was moving, and it was awesome, and they were loud. And they were talking all these crazy languages and really loose and, like, open and, like, not so insecure and intimidated. And what are people thinking? And, like, wow, they must be drunk. That only happens to drunk people. Right? You become, like, your full self. You're free when you're drunk, right? Oh, you're not allowed to say that in church. I mean, I'm like, yeah. You're probably more fun to be around. When you're, you know what I'm saying? But that's not what the point is. The point is, like, don't be drunk with wine, but get the same freedom. Have the same reality. Don't go for dissipation. Go for your destiny. And be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another. Let's just say it. It gets weird here. It's what really gets weird. I have a lot of church scars and a lot of sister so-and-sos in my life and a lot of weird things that have happened with this verse. But I want you to listen to it. This is weird because we go from praising God, which everybody's like, yeah, Jesus, worthy is the Lamb. And look what he says. Talk to one another in psalms. Whoa, you just, uh, easy with the psalms, okay? Hymns. Oh, you're hymning at me again? <laughs> My God, please stop the hymns. And spiritual songs. Oh, I, oh, heck no. Heaven, no. Keep your spiritual songs to yourself. So just be careful, all right? Everybody knows the crazy, crazy thing you've encountered in church. That's why people stay away from church for the most part. Singing and making a melody in your heart before the Lord. Because people do weird things with this verse. But let's be honest. If you were feeling down, somebody came up to you, and you were feeling depressed and anxious and, and all sorts of sad, and somebody came up to you and started singing a praise song in your face, you might be like, what the? Dude, just back away. I do not need your happy clappy praising in the middle of my reality. But that's exactly what it says. Believe me, everything inside of me is doing the same thing that's happening in you. Please, God, no, don't, don't turn this place into this. God, please. Because we all have seen what happens with people. But what God's saying is true. There's no other way to break it down. Notice, I want you to notice, if it's going to be like heaven here on earth, in heaven, the angels cried out one to another. One to another, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. And I think it's interesting that they would turn toward one another and talk about God to one another when God is in the room moving in an incredible way. Like, it's the throne room. And they're not talking to God. They're talking to each other about God. This is the power of community. 
This is the power of unifying and getting passionate people around other passionate people. People with strong convictions and strong confessions in the same room. Who encourage one another. The Bible says for us to do the same thing on earth as it is in heaven. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Take a cue from the angels to kind of holla back at each other here on earth as it's being done in heaven. Holy! holy. And over here, holy! holy! And they're like shouting holy across the throne room of heaven to tell one another how able God is. He's awesome in my life. He's set apart. He heals me. He delivers me. And there's all these callbacks. Because everybody's seeing different things, but the same thing. You get this back and forth praise based on what you've seen. Based off what he showed you. And we cry, holy, because God saved my marriage. I say, oh, holy, because God's saving my life. Holy, because God gave me a reason to suck air on the planet, and I've found a purpose. And you cry, holy, for the love that he gives you. Man, nobody loves me. He loves me still. He wants me still. He likes me still. And everybody's seeing all these different things, and they're the same thing, and we shout. He's like nothing else on earth. He's a cut above, high above anything I've ever seen. He's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Worthy is the lamb who was slain for me. Come on, church. There's something about shouting back and forth to each other. i got to tell somebody. It solidifies in you, and it breathes life into them. Come on, church. If he's been good to you today, just tell your neighbor. Shout of his goodness just for one second. Shout of his mercy. Proclaim the praises of the one who brought you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, his marvelous life, his marvelous freedom. He saved you from a life of lethargy and brought you into life to the fullest. We want a back and forth culture right here at Hope Church that says, come on, magnify the Lord with me. We're not ignoring your problems. It's okay to not be okay. But do you see how good God is? Do you see how able God is? You see, if he did it for me, he can do it for you. You see how available he is to you. And we can look at everything we don't have and what's not working and how hard it is to follow Jesus. Or we can say, my God is able. My God is faithful. And we can get in each other's world the shouts. He did that for me. Well, I'm glad for you. I'm still mad. Come on. Let's do something like heaven here on earth. Well, good for you. It doesn't work for me. Good for you. I just want to whine for a little bit. Let me breathe. But wait a minute. We could create a different culture than that church that lifts Jesus up and makes his praises known. And we say, man, I'm giving you my best praise. And these angels, they don't just sing to God, but they sing to each other about the greatness of God. The Bible says they're singing back and forth, and something starts to rise up in the middle called the glory of God. And that's what happens here on earth. That's why they say the whole earth is full of his glory. So literally anywhere somebody will shout, and anywhere somebody will lift up their voice, and anywhere somebody will say, yeah, 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 the glory of the Lord rises in that place. It means the weight of God, the presence of God, the tangibility of God, where God goes from this distant, unrealistic, to this real, life, powerful, in my world, healing, in my world, freedom, in my world, peace. Something transcendent in His glory starts to fill the temple. And He's enthroned in the praises of His people. And we can literally have what they have in heaven right here on earth. And they envy us. While we're talking about it, 
it says we're made a little lower than the angels right now. But the angels are going to be a little bit lower than us throughout eternity. I'm telling you, we have been given so much authority, so much power, so much freedom. If we just believe what Habakkuk says and we take away that stronghold where God's not really moving in my generation, we take that stronghold and we say, that's a lie. His glory covers the earth like the waters cover the sea. We take that stronghold. Nobody's interested in Jesus. We say, that's a lie. John isn't saying in heaven, the whole earth is full of his glory. We listen to what Isaiah is saying and what John is saying, what Habakkuk is saying. We say, my God, we are privileged to be a part right here on earth as it is in heaven. I'm not going to waste my life. I'm not going to waste my shot. I'm not going to waste my reality. I'm going to praise him when I don't feel it. I'm going to praise him while it hurts. I'm going to praise him while I'm in my pain. I'm going to praise him. When I feel like sitting down, I'm going to stand to my feet. When I feel like being quiet, I'm going to shout out loud. When I feel like I'm not enough, I'm going to change my confession. I'm going to say I'm more than enough. I'm well able. Come on, I'm going to change from where I'm at to where he's at and say I belong here in this place, in this house, in this presence. If you believe it, shout yes today. When we receive that reality.